Jack Del Rio's feeling the heat from some comments he's made. Deshaun Watson made some comments of his own. And Kyler Murray's one of the many stars getting back into the mix at mandatory mini camps. But uh, we'll start off with the football podcast this week with Safa Dean and Tyler Dragon talking about Lamar Jackson. And Tyler Lamar is in Baltimore, joins his team for mandatory mini camp. First time this offseason, Lamar Jackson has joined the Ravens this offseason. He's been in South Florida training on his own. But one thing still looms, Tyler, and it's that big contract that Lamar Jackson has yet to really talk to the Ravens about. Um, I'm expecting something to happen real soon, though, Tyler. How do, you, how do you gauge the situation going on with Lamar and his contract? The situation is really perplexing because everybody knows Lamar Jackson and the Ravens want to get a deal done. But it's like Lamar's dragging his feet. The Ravens want to talk to him, and he's just <laughs> lackadaisical about it. Like, oh, we'll get to it when we get to it. Um, you know, it's just a weird situation, but he's due $23 million this year. That's well underpaid considering he is a former MVP in 2019, one of the best quarterbacks in this league. And when it's all said and done, he's easily going to average, um, you know, around that $40 million annually uh, mark because he is, you know, in that caliber of quarterbacks. It's just a question of, you know, when it is going to happen. It's not if, because the Ravens want him in Baltimore. If they don't get a deal done this offseason, I imagine they'll franchise tag him before uh, that March deadline. So it's just a question of, you know, when this deal is going to happen. For Lamar's sake, you would hope it happens before the regular season because his style of play, we've said it multiple times, it allows uh, quarterbacks to get hit often. He's a scrambling quarterback. He likes to run the football, obviously. He gets 1,000 yards, it seems like, per season. So when he's getting those 1,000 yards, he's getting hits. <laughs> he's getting hit a lot. He missed four games at the end of last season because he had an ankle injury. So he needs to protect himself. He needs some stability, and that comes in the form of a long-term contract. So for Lamar's sake, he represents himself, he and his mother, so he needs to sign a long-term deal to protect himself. I agree, Tyler. You know, right now Lamar's on the final year of his rookie deal. Um, remember, he's the last pick in the, in the first round of the 2018 draft. Um, so a couple quarterbacks ahead of them, you know, a couple quarterbacks even behind him, even in the last couple of years too, um, you know, I've gotten paid. Kyler Murray wants to get paid, and we'll talk about him in a little bit, Tyler. But when I look at Lamar Jackson, I kind of feel like, Maybe he he waited a little, I don't want to say too long, but he waited. He's waiting to see what everybody else is getting in the market to really gauge where he's at. And honestly, if I'm him, I go for that Deshaun Watson deal. Deshaun got $230 million guaranteed from the Browns. And I'm going to the Ravens. And I'm like, hey, I don't have 26 county lawsuits. You know, I, I, I played on the field the last year and I'm going to play on the field this year. I'm like that guy. Um, and he and- has an MVP. And I have an MVP, <laughs> you know, so and when I look at the quarterback pay, you know, obviously Aaron Rodgers is at 50 mil, um, you know, Deshaun Watson is going to make 46 per year. Patrick Mahomes is at 45 and his contract was signed two years ago at 500 million, at least guaranteed. Uh, Josh Allen's probably got the biggest contract, uh, you know, next up. He's at 43 mil and uh, just around 230 million dollars, I believe. Um, his his actually deal, his deal was a six year deal, 258. So. From Lamar Jackson, I'm looking at a, you know, I also kind of want to not really make this my last contract either. 
you know, I kind of want to do a three, four year deal, get me into that 260 range, make it at least 240 guaranteed. I also think the Ravens, if they make it more guaranteed money than Deshaun Watson, it'll kind of take the light off of that for the Browns a little bit low key. But if I'm if I'm Lamar Jackson, I'm trying to get at least 45 mil per year. I'm trying to get at least 250 million dollars. And look, I think he has all the leverage in this situation. I don't think the Ravens can really budge with him. Uh, you know, obviously he doesn't want to be on a, you know, 23 mil when guys are making double that. Um, but also he doesn't want to be in a situation where he's franchise tagged either, which is arguably the worst thing in contracts in regards to sports is, you know, the, the ability for teams to place you on a franchise tag at some kind of rate that's already established. Nobody wants to do that, especially when you're a player of Lamar Jackson's caliber. Yeah, you're right. Lamar Jackson does have all the leverage here. The Ravens offense is uniquely catered to Lamar's skill set. And when he is off the field, they look like a totally different football team. He's responsible for over 70 percent of their production. So, you know, I think the Ravens and Lamar will get things done. But like I said, it's kind of perplexing because the Ravens have said publicly that they are ready and willing to negotiate with Lamar. It's just Lamar doesn't seem interested at this time. But I do think people are going to be in his ear like Lamar. You know, you, you should get this deal done. And it, I, if I was a betting man, I think it will get done before the start of the regular season. I think you agree with me too, Sophie. I think it, sh- it will get done. But the thing is, too, Tyler, you know, this narrative that he's not talking about it, I, I don't know if I believe that wholeheartedly, Tyler. Mm. You know, I think it's a good I think it's a good way to kind of save face, mm-hmm. you know, and I think maybe Lamar is acting, you know, in, in a good way. And, and the Ravens are saying the right things, you know, whenever Lamar is ready, we'll do the contract. I don't think it's a matter of if Lamar is ready. I think he knows what the deal is. You know, he's not stupid. He's representing himself. Um, he's he, you know, negotiated his rookie deal and, and those things are slotted. But, you know, if, if you, the, the things with rookie contracts is. All right, everybody else is getting a certain amount of money here. I'm supposed to get this. Let's get this. That's easy for rookie deals to do. When you're re-signing another contract, Lamar is pretty much saying, all right, all these other quarterbacks got this and that. I should be getting that too. How come you guys are not giving this to me? So I I think there's a little bit of that going on too, Tyler. I think something does come to resolve, I would say, even this month, man. I would say, you know, there's no need to really get that, to to let this linger anymore. Do you believe the Ravens are lowballing him? Is that I what could, you're insinuating? I could see why the Ravens would lowball him. You listed all mm-hmm. the things just now, Tyler. You know, he's a running quarterback mm-hmm. um, who has improved drastically as a passer. But still, the knock on him is he runs too much or, you know, you need to rely on his uh, on his legs a little bit more. If I'm Lamar Jackson, I, you know, I, I you know, I want to sign a three, four year deal because at the end of those years, I want to sign another contract. That's great. Um, you know, if Lamar signs a six-year deal, who knows what his next contract is going to look like because of the way he's, he plays. He's going to have to, you know, be like a Carmelo Anthony, Russell Westbrook for, for a bad analogy, but change the way you play, change the way your your style is, you know, and improve and kind of, you know, improve with the times, but also make your bot, make the use of your skill set in a different way um, as his career, uh, you know, prolongs. Yeah, you know, if, I'm the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. I would have a real heart-to-heart conversation because Lamar's style of play, he's not going to be the most athletic and the fastest person on the field as he pushes 30. He's in his mid-20s now. So four, five years from now, he's not going to be the most athletic. He's not going to be the fastest. And he's going to have to rely on his arm more. 
So you need to have that sit down conversation with him and be like, you know, we need you to improve as a pocket passer. Yes, you are the best running quarterback since Michael Vick, and you're still that level. But as your career moves forward, you're going to have to get better behind uh, the line of scrimmage and throw the football from the pocket because that's where this NFL game is going. And that's where your career is eventually going to go to because you're not going to run a sub 4 440 anymore and you're not going to make defenders crash into each other with your quickness and uh, mobility. So, you know, and the thing on Lamar's side, you can tell that he has it in him to be a good thrower of the football and an accurate passer. It's all about his technique and his mechanics when he's back there. Uh, sometimes he doesn't have a solid base throwing the football. A lot of times his arm angle isn't is sideways. You know, he just has different types of ways to throw the football, but it's all about technique and mechanics with him. And his issues throwing the football are fixable. So that is a good thing on Lamar's side. And it's up to him and the Ravens to be able to make those adjustments so he can play to his mid-30s and possibly 40s like Tom Brady. Well, two things before my, my overline point here I want to make. Uh, we got to stop comparing guys in longevity to Tom Brady. We really got to stop that. <laughs> And number two, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I, I don't think Lamar Jackson has throwing issues. I think he's improved tremendously as a passer. I think that knock on him, you know, that needs to stop. A lot of people out here think, you know, you know, we, even I just said he's a running quarterback and that's the, that's the stereotype of him. And, you know, it's, it's what he's going to be identified as sure, but his improvements as a passer are really there. It's just, he is dependent on as a runner, as a facet of that offense. And, and just one more thing on the contract talks to Tyler. You know, there's something that I've kind of learned, you know, in, in our industry, you know, some of us have agents, some of us don't. And when you have an agent, um, you know, unlike Lamar Jackson, you know, you have somebody there that can their job is to negotiate the money. Their job is to finagle and, and, and poke the right, you know, poke the bear the right way. You know what I'm saying? It's it's their job to kind of make things a little messy when negotiations happen. And so when Lamar Jackson is doing it here. There's a real opportunity here for some resentment kind of things that go on because Lamar is talking directly with the GM about this. It's not the and the owners and all that stuff. It's not an agent doing it on his behalf. So when Lamar doesn't hear what he wants to hear from these people, he's going to take it personally. Whereas the agents there to kind of facilitate all that. Lamar's still going to you know be personal you know feel personal towards not hearing something from his agent, but you know having somebody there to kind of you know massage the situation and do things on your behalf so that they don't have to see a nasty side of you and you don't have to see a nasty side of them. It, it kind of gets a little messy if you're representing yourself, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, that's true. But then you also have to uh, pay that 15% or more to that agent. Yeah. <laughs> some athletes don't want to do it. So, yeah. and then, you know, there, there's a positive and negative of both sides. If you're got like the more you're representing yourself, I mean, who I'd rather trust myself than some stranger and some agent that represents yeah. a whole lot of different clients. But everybody's different. Everybody's different. If you're a guy like Lamar, that 15% is easy to make up. You're, <laughs> you're having that agent get you other deals so you can get that 15% and you can get another cut too. Tyler, let's move on to Kyler Murray, who is, we talk about this every week, Tyler. We talk about your boy, Kyler, every week. And uh, Kyler Murray's back at minicamp. He's reported at camp a couple weeks ago. He's involved this offseason. We love to repeat how 
Cliff Kingsbury and him have the same agent. We love to repeat how Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kime, the Cardinals uh, GM, also have contract extensions, and Kyler Murray doesn't have one yet. Uh, you know, Tyler, what's your, your your assessment of the of the situation at this point? Um, you know, before we get into a real off season, which is really just a month off before training camp. Well, if I'm Kyler Murray, I'm ecstatic what Cliff Kingsbury said yesterday during minicamp. Number one, he said that he is praying that Kyler Murray and the Cardinals sign an extension before training camp. And number two, he says that he believes Kyler Murray, once he signs his extension, will be the highest paid player in Cardinals franchise history. So those two things, if I'm Kyler Murray, I'm saying, hey, thank you, coach. Oh, thank you, agent. <laughs> Obviously, the same people representing uh, both uh, agent and player. I mean, uh, quarterback and uh, coach. So, you know, I do think a deal. This is kind of like the um, Lamar Jackson situation. I do think a long-term deal will get done. Th- this time in this team, it seems like the sides are a little bit closer uh, Steve Kime, the Cardinals GM, has said that, you know, they want to get a deal done. And it seems like they're moving in a positive uh, direction. Kyler Murray was um, at voluntary OTAs, albeit just one portion, but he did show face. And, you know, his teammates are real supportive of him. He goes to offensive line dinners every Thursday. And he's been with his teammates, he and the quarterback, I mean, he and the receivers and the quarterbacks have a group text that they have been talking all offseason. So I really do think a deal will get done. And Cliff Kingsbury said as much, and he is about to get paid. He's going to be in that $40 million range again, like all those other quarterbacks in the top 10. And Cliff Kingsbury said he's about to be the highest paid player in franchise history. So I think things are moving along in the right direction. So Kyler Murray's contract situation, I have some questions because, you know, does he deserve to be in that $40 million range? Yeah, I would say so. You know, you just said so yourself. And let's look at some guys in the $40 million range. So after, you know, Aaron Rodgers at 50, Deshaun 46, Mahomes 45, Josh Allen 43, Derek Carr, Dak, Matt Stafford at 40, and Russell Wilson and Kirk Cousins, 35 a year annually is, is what the value should be, right? So in all of those names that I just mentioned, I mentioned uh, Super Bowl champions. Uh, I mentioned Super Bowl MVPs. Mm-hmm. I mentioned players who can have won playoff games, mm-hmm. right? Um, and players who have won MVPs. You Matt, also you know, mentioned Derek Carr. Let, let, and her cousins. Okay, okay. Okay, okay. And good, Dak good, Prescott. All right, good, good to go. Good to know. Good to know. See, see, so I'm very interested in how Kyler is gonna get this money because there are some things that work against him and there's some things that work in his favor, like you just mentioned, Tyler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's around that, you know, Dak Prescott range. I think we can agree on that. You can make an argument that Kyler Murray's better than Dak Prescott. You can make an argument that Dak Prescott's better than Kyler Murray. But I think he's in that top 10-ish quarterback range. And for top 10 caliber quarterbacks, they get $40 million annually. And the thing with Kyler Murray is the Cardinals were pretty much a doormat until he got there. I mean, they had some terrible years <laughs> prior to Kyler Murray, and now they're relevant. A lot of uh, people outside the building are talking about him. Fans want to come and see Kyler Murray. 
AT&T Stadium is filling up because of Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. He's one of those few household NFL names that you have around the NFL. So, you know, you have that going for him because he's box office. And then he's a productive NFL player. Yes, he and the Cardinals flame out at the end of the season routinely, but he is a, still a top 10, 12-ish quarterback. We can both agree on that side. Uh, you were very, very nice to the Arizona Cardinals just now, <laughs> saying routinely. Very, very nice. Un- unlike some past podcasts where you just let it rip on them. Um, but I agree with you. He's He should be up there. He should be getting paid that. And, you know, for me, I, you know, Kyler has to take the next step. You know, the last time we saw him in that Rams playoff game, um, he was shook. Uh, Mm -hmm. He had that, you know, interception in his own end zone. And after that, he was not the same player in that game. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the you know, maybe the moment was a little too big for him. Um, That's not a short joke. Sorry, sorry, Kyler. Um, But, you know, I I think I I really do think he should get this deal. And like you said, he is box office Um, for say, you know, for God's sakes, I went to Jacksonville to watch him play. (laughs) I went to the Jacksonville Jaguars game to go see the Arizona Cardinals play. And it was only because Kyler Murray was there. So he's definitely box office. He'll get you to go to the depths of the earth to go see him play. doesn't matter which team or what uh, stadium it is. Um, You know, and he's, 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 he's a player that you want to see play. He's a player that, you know, is electric with the football in his hands. You know, he's dynamic with his feet, kind of like a Lamar Jackson as well. And he actually has a really nice, you know, wrist to go with it as well. So uh, I definitely think this happens before the season. And, you know, um, I, I don't think it will last until training camp. But I think that's the real fine line we got to get here is mm-hmm. there's so much negotiation happens. And uh, the real leverage for the player comes when training camp and the season starts. Because every day you miss in a contract negotiation or a training camp practice, you're a step behind when the season starts, and, and no team wants to do that. Arizona, though, it's a different story because DeAndre Hopkins is going to be gone for six weeks. So I think they got some more time. They have a little bit more time. Yeah, and, you know, we're in here in uh, mid-June. Training camp is usually late July. They haven't announced the exact date that Cardinals training camp will be. But they have, you know, a little bit of time, four or five weeks to get things finalized, and I think it will be in that time frame. Tyler, let's switch gears and go up to Cleveland and let's talk about Deshaun Watson yet again. Um, you know, this time, this week, Deshaun Watson was, you know, at minicamp and spoke to the media uh, publicly. So this was the first time he has speaking publicly uh, since he signed a $230 million contract with the Cleveland Browns after being traded from the Houston Texans. I'm just always kind of perplexed at this situation. Like, we, you know, we had a very extensive conversation about this on the podcast last week with some really great points. Um, but I also want to mention, you know, the things, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson said here and quote, you know, again, he, he reiterated again, quote, I never assaulted anyone. I never harassed anyone or I never disrespected anyone. I never forced anyone to do anything. Um, you know, and it's something that he kind of, you know, walked back on some original comments where he also said, quote, I think the question kind of triggered a lot of people, um, not just women in general, but a lot of people in the league from women's to males and things like that. What I was saying is, yes, I've never assaulted, disrespected, or harassed anyone. Um, yet, yet, Tyler, you know, we have 26 lawsuits and, and civil lawsuits, by the way, and reportedly more are coming as well. Um, you know, after the New York Times report that said that he had 66 massages in 19 months, I believe, from fall 2019 to about, you know, March 2021, when the first lawsuits started to come down. 
Um, Tyler, I know you're very passionate about this, this, and, and I guess what, what are your uh, thoughts on his comments this week? Yeah, a lot of things stood out to me about his press conference. It was his first time he spoke to the media since uh, March. Uh, you touched on some of them. But then uh, another thing that stood out is when a reporter asked, um, was the New York Times article correct about his 66 different massage therapists? And he basically said he didn't know. So, you know, that, <laughs> like I said before, it, for any athlete to have, for anybody to have 66 different massage therapists, that is bizarre, that's abnormal, and, you know, that is, you know, eyebrow raising to say the least, because what are you doing with 66 massage therapists? Um, you want a therapist that you know that knows your body and can work on you in a professional manner. You don't want to go to 66 different ones. And some of them weren't even professional. And he's admitted to that, didn't have a um, professional license. So, you know, that it, it's just really perplexing to me to just think about that. But he has proclaimed his innocence all along, like you said, uh, all his team. His agency, they have proclaimed uh, his innocence. But then you have the other side. Over 20 women have said that, you know, there has been sexual assault or sexual misconduct. So it's turning into a he said, she said battle. But I'm always of the belief where there's a whole lot of smoke and there's a whole lot of smoke in this case that there has to be some fire. And for Deshaun Watson's sake, you just hope that, you know, if he did do these things or whatever the case may be, that he has learned from the situation. Because there are a lot of lives and family and women involved that are hurt, are traumatized, and quite frankly, their lives might be changed forever. And Deshaun Watson's life is changed forever, no matter the outcome of this. So you just hope that everybody involved can learn from this situation and whoever made the mistake can realize that they made a mistake and get better from this all because it's going to come out eventually it's going to come out eventually tyler i just don't understand why deshaun watson is just talking in the first place um you know i understand people want to hear his comments and and, and then ridicule him for what he says afterwards especially when you you know um, going to say I never assaulted anyone when at least 26 other people say otherwise. Um, you know, and, and this just kind of reminds me of the Rusty Hart in his lawyer, you know, mentioning the happy endings are, are not illegal, you know, when he said that on a radio show. The more stuff that Deshaun Watson says and Rusty Harden says, it's just going to get used against them when they hear these lawsuits in court. And um, I also want to reiterate, um, you know, what I said last week, Tyler, is that, you know, the, the authorities in Texas really, really slipped on this one here um they heard you know at least 10 lawsuits were coming and now 16 more after have actually been filed but um you know for them to you know not give deshaun watson a criminal charge because you know for better or worse you didn't want to hear 26 cases and deal with the discovery of 26 cases he said she said cases because there's only two people that were there in the moment you know i think they really sold a lot of people short here in, in the justice system um, and now, you know, we still have this kind of lingering before the season. Yeah, you know, I believe Deshaun Watson has been advised to talk because these women aren't going away. And it seems like there's more and more by the day, the numbers growing. 
and there's different allegations that come out. There's different details that come out. And, you know, if Deshaun Watson continues to stay quiet, it just looks worse and worse and worse. And so when he talks, I, I believe he's trying to repair his image and try to, you know, tell his side of the story so the public knows where he's coming from and show some remorse, try to show some remorse. Let me say that. Um, But, you know, I I think that is why he is talking and why he's been advised to talk. Uh, That's why he was out there and he hadn't talked since March. So, you know, that's a few months ago. And since March, there's been multiple women that have come out uh, and filed lawsuits. So I believe that is why he's talking. But this just looks bad on the NFL and him. And I would not be surprised if he is suspended for the entire season. Tyler, Jack Del Rio. You remember him? You remember him, Tyler? Unfortunately, I can't forget. The former NFL coach, Jack Del Rio. He's a defensive coordinator with the Washington Commanders. Um, Was fined $100,000 by his team, uh, which was uh, donated, uh, questionably for me, but donated. But also, uh, he also deleted his Twitter account after some comments this week. And, um, you know, about the dust up, as he said, at the Capitol and in relation to the uh, George Floyd incident in Minnesota a couple of years ago. It's crazy to think that was a couple of years ago and kind of crazy to hear Jack Rio's comments and his uh, quotation mark of, a, of an apology posted on his, his Twitter account before he deleted it. Um, Let me just get into this uh, comment as you're uh, (laughs) shaking your head, Tyler. Um, Jack Del Rio said, why are we not looking into those things? Because it's kind of hard for me to say I can realistically look at it. I see the images on TV. People's livelihoods are being destroyed. Businesses are being burned down. No problem. And then we have a dust up at the Capitol. Nothing burned down. And we're going to make that a major deal. I just think it's kind of two standards. Ooh, Jack Del Rio, you do not know what you just did. <laughs> and the comments after that, you know, it, it, it sucks, Tyler, because people were in this age where you say something wrong, you get the backlash, then you have to apologize. And we heard your initial comments. So your apology kind of has, it, it's kind of Swiss cheese, has some holes in it. And now uh, you deleted his Twitter account, deleted his Twitter account, couldn't deal with the vitriol of social media and Twitter. And I wish I could delete my Twitter account sometimes too, man. Um, the problem with this is Jack Del Rio has displayed these types of comments and this behavior before with his words. And you know what side he is on. Um, he meant everything he said. He, um, you know, believes that the insurrection was a dust up. And for him to compare it to the protests that ensued after George Floyd's murder, and all the murders of unarmed black uh, people is totally inexcusable. It's obviously tone deaf. And, you know, it, it makes me question how he's able to get up in the locker room, in the classroom, in the NFL, and speak to a team that is over 70% black and speak to those people who grew up in those same communities where unarmed black people are getting shot, where you know, there is, you know, racism and discrimination and inequalities all over. So, you know, 
for me, if I'm a Washington Commanders defensive player, I, I really have lost respect for Jack Del Rio. And it's not just because of these comments. It's because comments before this, too. He's done this before. I, I already knew Jack Del Rio was like this before these comments. So it's going to be tough because that, that defense is really good. They have some really notable players, especially in that defensive line with four first-round picks. And if Jack Del Rio says something to me, if I'm that defensive line, I'm like, yo, <laughs> you get this man up out of here. <laughs> get him up out of D.C., which is Chocolate City, I might add, still. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> um, I hope, he, like I said with Deshaun Watson, I hope he learns from his mistake, but he has shown a pattern of behavior that has displayed his true colors. And it makes me question his credibility and his uh, ability to be able to coach a group of men that are overwhelmingly black. Tyler, this is just another another sad, sad situation where we realize or people need to realize that a lot of people in the NFL share the same views as Jack Del Rio. That part. Yep. They just don't say it out loud. Mm-hmm. And when they say it out loud, they see what Jack Del Rio is going on. They're like, oh, I got to keep these personal views really close to my vest um, and don't let them be shared because I don't want to pay 100 grand. Uh, I don't want to be fined. I want to keep my job. I want my black players to know I still very much support them and, and what they got going on. And look, I think this is a case by case basis. I think a lot of people feel the same way Jack Del Rio feels. And I think a lot of people, you know, deep down really do understand and care about the things that, you know, black people and other people of, of race and color um, go through in a, in a country like this. Um, you know, where, where not everything is, where, where discrimination um, of all kinds, you know, just happens. And mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> yeah, that, that just, this is just, you know, that's kind of all, all I want to give to that Jack Del Rio, honestly, after the comments, really. We talked about a bunch of quarterbacks that are looking to get paid, and there's some other people trying to get paid too, man. Yeah. This was the off season of getting paid. We saw Aaron Donald um, get a nice little bag last week. We've seen Tyree Kill and Devontae Adams also get some pretty big bags this off season. Um, you know, some other position players, non QBs, are looking to get paid, and uh, let's talk a little bit of uh, a group of them right now: uh, Debo Samuel. DK Metcalf and Terry McLaurin. These are all receivers and their third, fourth years in the league um, looking to get that bag. Let's start off with Debo Samuel, Tyler, who around the Super Bowl time kind of made a big fuss about being in San Francisco, wants to be back on the East Coast. Uh, But luckily for him, he is still uh, showed up to 49ers camp, um, you know, this offseason. You know, what are your thoughts on, on a Debo Samuel deal if it potentially does happen? There's a feeling that the two sides are going to reconcile. I know the 49ers want to keep Debo Samuel in San Francisco. And there's people in Debo Samuel's camp that want him to stay in San Francisco because they believe the 49ers are a good fit. The fact that he was at mandatory minicamp, that is a positive sign that cooler heads will prevail. The 49ers want to make him one of the highest paid wide receivers in the National Football League. It's just a question if Debo Samuel changes his mind and wants to be in San Francisco. And I think based on what I've been hearing, based on what we've all been seeing, that he will end up signing a long-term extension in San Francisco once the dust settles and cooler heads prevail. 
I kind of wanted to lump DK Metcalf and Terry McLaurin into the same situation because, um, you know, they're all kind of, like I said, three, four years into the league. They mm-hmm. see all these other receivers getting paid and uh, nobody wants to be in their rookie contract, just like Lamar is and Kyler Murray is. You know, they, they don't want to be in the rookie contract. They want to secure their futures. Uh, so Terry McLaurin didn't show up to a mandatory mini camp and DK Metcalf didn't either. And if I'm those two guys and I'm negotiating for a new deal um, and if, you know, I'm trying to get as much money as possible, obviously, but if I'm their teams, I'm trying to see if I'm not going to make a deal. I'm trying to trade somebody before the other one, uh, you know, makes a trade. You know, we're, we're all we're looking at a bunch of teams. I believe six or seven teams next year, Tyler, have two first round picks in the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe the Eagles might have used one on uh, A.J. Brown. Was that is that correct? Or do they still have two first-round yes, picks? Yes, they still have multiple first-round picks. See, that is how you GM, Tyler. Yeah. That is how you GM. Um, but if I'm a team looking for a receiver, I'm looking at Terry McLaurin and D.K. Metcalf. And, heck, I'm even looking at Debo Samuel, too, and, and trying to say, let me put some assets together. Because even though there's some guys in the future, there's some picks that I like, I think draft picks end up being overvalued a little bit more because you think they're worth more um, than they actually are in the future when a player is actually picked. You don't know if you're going to pick the next big star or you're going to pick up a scrub who doesn't make anything happen in the first round. So, um, you know, if I'm any team looking for a receiver, a star receiver, Mm -hmm. talented guys like those three guys, I try to make a move. Yeah. And all three of them are underpaid. They weren't first round picks. So they're getting second and third round type of money. Uh, they can't sign a fifth year uh, option because they weren't first round picks. And they have obviously outperformed their contract. With Terry McLaurin, he's easily the best offensive threat on the commanders, a thousand yard receiver. And for him to have that production with the merry-go-round of quarterbacks in D.C., that just speaks for itself. He's a team uh, leader not only on offense, but, you know, he, you know, speaks to the defense as well. So I do uh, believe that the commanders, they should sign him because he is, I mean, especially when you have Carson Wentz, who's Carson Wentz going to throw the football to? And you want to build a connection and some chemistry with McLaurin and uh, Carson Wentz. So, you know, for the commander's sake, they should get something done with him because you want to keep pace with the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles in that division. With DK Metcalf, it's almost the same thing. You know, who do you have on that team that fans want to go see? That is a Pro Bowl caliber player in Seattle. You have Jamal Adams in defense. That's about it. <laughs> and then on offense, you lost Russell Wilson. I know you like Tyler Lockett, but. I mean, who do you have on offense? I mean, how do you keep the fans engaged? How do you build and have a competitive product out on the field without DK Metcalf? You really don't have a uh, adequate quarterback. Your offensive line, I know you drafted a, a tackle in the first round, but your offensive line is suspect. You need DK Metcalf if you want to keep fans engaged, keep them interested, and tell fans that, you're still trying to be competitive. You're still trying to win games. When you're not in that NFC West, they're the worst team by far in NFC West with DK Metcalf. So if, if I'm a DK Metcalf, I have all the leverage because I'm, I'm saying, okay, you see this offensive roster? Uh, who do you have that's better than me? 
who are and then who are you paying? <laughs> who deserves this money more besides, than me? Or besides Ross? Jamal Adams, right? yeah. Besides Jamal Adams, DK Metcalf is box office. I mean, just because of his freak, freak, freak body and how he is, his size, his speed is incredible to watch. Um, and Terry McLaurin, I mean, to ball out with you know Taylor Heineke and all those guys, it, it says a lot to his talent as well. Um, but I like to see either those guys get paid, or I like to see one of those guys move to a team. Um, that doesn't have a receiver, maybe Green Bay, maybe Kansas City, maybe those two teams say, all right, we can't pay Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, but we can afford you, Terry McLaurin. We can afford you, DK Metcalf. Uh, tell us, let's, uh, we talked about receivers. Let's talk about some DBs real quick. Minka Fitzpatrick is locked in for a four-year deal worth around $73.6 million and $36 million guaranteed. Oh, Minka Fitzpatrick just got the bag too, Tyler. Look at that. Um, you know, it was time for him to get a new deal too. You know who's happy besides Minka Fitzpatrick? Derwin Please. James and Jesse Bates. <laughs> because they're yes. about to get the bag soon, whenever they get the bag. And if Minka Fitzpatrick is the highest paid safety now in the NFL. Yes, he You is. can bet that Derwin James's agent is looking at this and saying, uh, Derwin James, when healthy on the field, is better than Mika Fitzpatrick. Make him the highest paid safety. I am almost positive of that. <laughs> I would, yeah, I agree. Look, Jamal Adams was the was the was the highest paid at seventy mil. Mm-hmm. Um, at seventy three point six, it puts Minka all the way up there. I believe Buda Baker was 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 high up there too. Harrison Smith from the Vikings is second at sixty four. Justin Simmons with the Broncos sixty one million. Buda Baker's third at 59. So these safeties, they really love to price each other out, but also they love when each other gets a new deal because they all get to eat as well. Um, and like you mentioned, Derwin James. Derwin James is up. You have some info on that from our Chargers camp? Well, I am hearing that they have started preliminary discussions, Derwin James and uh, the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, I imagine that those discussions are going to ratchet up now that this Mika Fitzpatrick deal is uh, finalized. And I imagine that uh, uh, the numbers might be kicking up a little bit as well. So, um, yes, it's just preliminary discussions. But I did hear that both sides hope a deal will get done before the start of the regular season. might not be done uh, prior to training camp. But Derwin James and the Chargers do hope that they can get a deal finalized before uh, the regular season. And uh, there is belief that uh, he wants to be or the Chargers and Derwin James's camp want to make him the highest paid safety in the National Football League. And it's going to take a pretty pretty penny based on uh, these numbers of Mika Fitzpatrick. As far as Jesse Bates, um, I'm hearing that it's the polar opposite. And he and the Bengals are still at odds. <laughs> oh dear! <laughs> and they oh dear. are they're they're not talking. And it's a situation where, um, you know, the Bengals they don't really want to speak on it. And they're I mean, sorry, Jesse Bates and his team they're they're not really talking to the Bengals. Uh, there's um, some disagreement and some discord there, and neither side is talking. And I was that there is no movement on the contract negotiation between uh, Jesse Bates and the Cincinnati Bengals, and he has not signed the franchise tag yet. Tyler, before we wrap up, man, I wanted to give a shout-out to some of our colleagues at USA Today Sports and hope that you guys as listeners check out some of our work. Um, Joe Burrow uh, with some comments for stricter gun control saying, at least make it harder. 
you know, for, for people to get guns. Uh, a really nice comment from Joe Burrow that I agree with. Um, and this is something that he was asked about. We have it for you on USA Today Sports Plus and USAtodaysports.com. Um, another story, Little Caesars, now the official pizza sponsor of the NFL. Tyler, tell me you love some Little Caesars, man. In high school, I love Little Caesars because they had that $5 hot and ready. and They still got fit, it. That fit my high school budget. But now I, I don't, I'm don't. i not really a huge fan of Little Caesars. What about yeah, you? Yeah, me neither. I mean, if, I'm <laughs> a, I'm, if I get anything, it's going to be the garlic bread. That's all I'm going to get from there. Okay. All right, cool. Our boy Mike Jones wrote a really nice story about the Pivot podcast. I don't know if you checked some of those guys out, Tyler. Fred Taylor. Uh, Channing Crowder and Ryan Clark from ESPN have put together a podcast. Um, and there's some funny guys, man. They've had some really great guests over the last couple of weeks from Shaquille O'Neal, Charles Barkley, Caitlyn Jenner, a lot of variety, a lot of different topics being on that podcast. And Mike Jones had a really great story about those guys this week. Somebody needs to do a story about our podcast. Our podcast is better than theirs. So I'm waiting for a write up about our podcast. Hopefully somebody out there would love to do that. I think it's a great time to wrap up here. Tyler, thanks so much again. Uh, hopefully we get some new deals like some of these other guys out here. That'd be great, right? Get some new money up. Yeah, I want to sign a contract like uh, Minka Fitzpatrick or Aaron Donald or something. somebody. Give me $40 million a year. I still hit up the Rams, asked them if they were hiring. I didn't get no response back, so we'll yeah, see. I'll try to hit them up. Thanks so much for listening to another edition of It's a Football Podcast. I'm Safi Dean, drawn by Tyler Dragon. We're NFL insiders with USA Today Sports. And if you haven't already, download the USA Today Sports Plus app in your Apple Store and in your Google Play. Uh, It's the best app for all the news and updates from your favorite teams. And just remember, guys, we want you to fan harder with USA Today Sports and USA Today Sports Plus. It's a football podcast. Find it now on the USA Today Sports Plus app, where the biggest fans fan harder. Shout out.